morning. Welcome to a Friday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. Bruce Hooley with you. Glad to have you along. Appreciate everybody who's stuck with the podcast throughout the Spielmanless portion of the show, which has uh, transpired since Chris took a job with the Lions in December. And the uh, Detroit Lions will be playing the Cleveland Browns this year in football. We'll run through the NFL schedule and we'll run through a really weird story at Ohio State involving a massage therapist and two disparate views of what occurred with her and Buckeye football players. First, a reminder that auiinfo.com is a great resource for you small business owners to remember because you get a lot and you don't pay anything. How's that for a deal? They say you don't get uh, something for nothing. You do with auiinfo.com. They're a health insurance brokerage. They're also uh, very schooled in HR because of Julie, their HR expert, and you get access to all their HR training modules, Julie's expertise, and you get put with the best insurance companies for health, vision, dental, disability, and all those other things to put together an awesome benefits package to attract and keep the best employees for your small business, two employees to 50 they deal with everyone because they're a small business themselves with 17 employees. Remember that name, auiinfo.com. Ask your questions on chat. They're paid by the insurance companies they deal with and put you with. You don't pay anything. So if you're a small business owner and you want to take a lot of stuff off your plate, auiinfo.com will do it with Chrissy driving the whole ship. She does an awesome job. And uh, just make sure you take advantage of it. Go online. Check it out. See, I'm telling the truth. You might not think it sounds too good to be true. It's true. AUIinfo.com. All right. Uh, before we get to the Ohio State story, woo, the salacious details of the massage therapist who uh, worked on, befriended. It's hard to talk about this story without sounding like a couple of frat boys. Uh, we will talk about the NFL schedule. Bengals schedule, um, mm, not great to start. Uh, two on the road at Chicago, at Pittsburgh. Uh, with Minnesota, the Vikings are the opener at home. That's winnable. They better win it too, because if they don't, you got to go at Chicago, at Pittsburgh, and you're under 500, and then you're scrambling. Jacksonville at home, Green Bay at home. The thing I like about the Bengals' schedule for the Bengals, if they would happen to surprise people and be a really competitive team this year, they do have five of their last seven at home. Uh, they're not easy. Pittsburgh, the Chargers, the 49ers, and then they go to Denver, and then they end with the Ravens and Kansas City at home and go to Cleveland. So it's really hard at the end of the year, but they do have five of the seven at home, which, you know, that's some benefit, but wow, they're playing like really good teams there. Pittsburgh, the Chargers, the Niners, the Ravens, the Chiefs all at home. Uh, only the Chargers would be a game you'd look at and go, yeah, probably the Bengals should win that one. Um, they do play the Lions, Mr. Spielman's Lions, led by Jared Goff. They play them at Detroit, and I'm having a trouble finding that on the scale. Oh, it's October the 17th uh, at Detroit, so it's game six, I believe, for the Cincinnati Bengals. So, uh, hey, you know, maybe Jamar Chase and uh, some of their draft choices really pay off for them, and uh, Joe Burrow's healthy, and they're uh, a surprise team in the AFC North. I would say they're probably still a year away, um, and we'll see. This year we'll get a better idea of whether Zach Taylor's the guy for the Bengals long-term as their head coach. There's no doubt Joe Burrow is. Um, Chase better be good because he's talked a big game coming in there 
as their top pick. And, you know, if the offensive line isn't good, everybody will always uh, beat them up over the fact that they didn't draft Panay Sewell when they had the chance at the fifth spot. As for the Cleveland Browns schedule, hmm, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Cleveland Browns, they anticipate a long playoff run. Not easy to start at Kansas City, that we knew, and three of their first five are on the road. So they better be ready to go coming out of it. They have to play. They play the Texans and the Bears. Will Deshaun Watson be with the Texans? Will he be eligible? Nobody knows. Bears at home, week three, that's a must win. Uh, Andy Dalton, Justin, uh, uh, what am I talking about? Justin Fields or Nick Foles will be at quarterback for the Bears by then. At Minnesota, at the Chargers, weeks four and five, both winnable, both losable. Those games are scary. At the Vikings, at the Chargers. If you lose those two, mm, you are really playing catch up the rest of the year. Now the other road games, they don't look that bad to me. Like uh, the out, uh, you know, the outside the um, the conference road games. Like at New England, okay, you know, we have a tendency to say, ah, New England, ah, that's a unwinnable. Well, Brady's not there anymore, and the Patriots are not what the Patriots used to be, so that doesn't scare me. But then the the one that I think jumps out. Christmas is on Saturday, December the 25th. Obviously, it's December the 25th. And they're at the Packers on Christmas. Um, not not great. Then they go to the Steelers. So, you know, late in the year, you're vying for a playoff berth. It's cold. It's going to be cold at Green Bay. But the Browns should be used to the cold. January the 3rd, Monday Night Football. They play at Pittsburgh. That one could have severe playoff implications. And then they got to come back home Sunday after playing on Monday night, which you're on the road, but it's Pittsburgh, so it's you know a two-hour drive. Um, and they get the Cincinnati Bengals. So um, this will be interesting. They do play Spiels Lions at home on November the 21st after playing at Cincinnati and at New England in consecutive weeks. You can't tell anything from an NFL schedule, really, because how it looks now compared to how it actually plays out is often totally different. I don't find that either schedule for the Bengals or Browns is completely debilitating. And um, the Browns are 100% a function of Baker Mayfield. If Baker Mayfield is what they think he is, um, which is a Super Bowl-caliber quarterback, they have no excuses because they have everything else. This is a prove-it year for Baker Mayfield, and he's going to get paid before the year starts, which I think is a little bit risky, but I understand it. You haven't had a quarterback in forever, and he's the closest thing that – uh, you've had to having a franchise guy. So we'll see. We'll see. But uh, I still advocate trading for Aaron Rodgers if you can because that team is built to win now. And the only question mark I have is, is their quarterback good enough to get past Patrick Mahomes? Uh, because that's who you got to get by in the in the AFC. All right. Before we get into the salacious, good word, uh, details, because it sounds like what it is, uh, of the Ohio State masseuse situation, Hemisphere, I don't know. No, here, my 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 guy at Willis Spangler Starling, uh, Mister Stan Willis, will not mind being uh, advocated for in advance of this story. <laughs> Stan's got courage. Stan's a good man. Willis Spangler Starling is the attorney firm of choice of this show, and I don't know. Attorneys hmm, may have a role in this whole Ohio State thing because boy, Ohio State went hard after this massage therapist yesterday. She may have a if she's going to hold to her story. She may have a case if she wants to press it for uh, some kind of uh, 
action. I don't know. Or she's lying and Ohio State's telling the truth. There's no way both stories are true. So uh, Willis Spangler Starling will protect your legal rights if you need that done or if you need to press an action. They're very easy to deal with. They are so kind and so caring, and they're also easy to talk to. I talk to uh, Stan every Friday on my show on 9890answer.com for a little segment we call Ask the Attorney. So if you have a legal question and you'd like to test Stan's acumen, which he'll hold up, trust me, uh, or get to know him a little bit better, get to know the rest of his partners a little bit better, I'd advise you to listen to the segment Friday. Ask the attorney, 606 p.m., 989 answer. Willis Spangler Starling's located on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard. Uh, willisattorneys.com is the website. Willisattorneys.com. Okay, so yesterday we get the wow breaking news that Ohio State football players have been um, interacting, shall we say, with a massage therapist from Cleveland who contacts them on social media and this went on for three years, and uh, it happened that several of the players had uh, sexual relations with her. Uh, the report from Ohio State says five. She says two. So that's weird. She may have a different standard for what uh, constitutes sexual relations than Ohio State does uh, or than their attorney firm does. So, okay, number one, uh, there's a lot here, all right, and... Uh, a, obviously from a moral perspective, it's not something that you can say, hey, that's cool. But I get boys will be boys, and I get we're in an immoral society and all that. So I'm not going to talk about the morality because you know where I'd fall on the morality side of it. Uh, but I also you know, know that uh, young men uh, are tempted. All men are tempted. Um, and if a woman uh, makes overtures, that's... That's uh, that is one of the hardest temptations ever. Okay, so that's it. Both these stories, I always say two things can be true at once. These two things can't be true at once. She can't have been a predator scheming, and that word scheme was used 16 times in the OSU report, to take advantage of Ohio State football players. That can't be true, and her, her view can't be true, that she reached out in good faith because, hey, I deal with athletes and, you know, Ohio State athletes are headed to the NFL, and she was doing this 100% professionally and then happened to develop romantic feelings or at least feelings enough that she wanted to act on them in consensual sex with a couple of the players. Those two stories can't both be true, okay? They can't be, Ohio State can't be right if that she was scheming and targeted them and this was her endgame all along. And her view was, no, I was just being a massage therapist and I happened to, you know, develop into something else with these two players and... We never had a professional relationship after that. Our relationship was personal. Okay, so that's somebody's lying here. Uh, do I think it's weird that she would reach out to college kids, including recruits? Yes, I do. I think that's weird. I think that is not professional conduct on her part. Uh, but, you know, I don't know how she builds her business. So maybe that's work for her. And I, I can understand her perspective that uh, building a relationship with Ohio State players who would become professional athletes, she could use that to leverage it as uh, an ability to grow her business with other professional athletes. That I understand, but there's a line you can't cross as a professional, and both she and Ohio State admit she crossed it. So there you go. Okay. Um, the other thing, the other two things that can't be true are both contained in the Ohio State report. 
uh, investigative report. Ohio State wants everyone to believe that they are meticulously on top of everything that's going on from a rules compliance perspective. And then they also want you to believe that no coaches and no staff members knew anything about this. Okay, one of those things can be true, but both of them can't be true. You cannot have a massage therapist interacting with football players for a three-year period, including a year during COVID when they're supposed to be like super buttoned down and no contact with anybody outside the bubble for fear of getting, you know, COVID. And have her like coming to players' apartments and meeting them in hotel rooms and massaging them. If there's no sex, even though they told us how many times last year that we're not going out to dinner, we're not seeing our girlfriends, we're not seeing our families, we are sacrificing it all to win the national title, and we're hermits, and that's just what we're doing. All football, all Zoom classes, nothing else. Okay, well, we now know that's not true. Some of them, that's not true. What I find interesting is I, I wasn't privy to this phone call with Gene Smith yesterday because I was working on the radio. Did no one ask if they're positive that no one tested positive for COVID because of outside contact with this massage therapist coming down from Cleveland? Because Ohio State had a fair amount of guys who had to sit out games last year. And I would assume they were doing contact tracing. And I would assume that the players weren't 100% forthright until this investigation about the fact that they were meeting with a woman who was coming down from Cleveland to give them a massage, let alone the sex part. That's an outside entity getting into your bubble. So I guess I think of questions nobody else thinks of, but that to me is a reasonable question to ask. Is like, okay, like, do you now have to want, have to wonder if any players were positive because of their contact with her? Fair question, it seems to me. The other thing that, as I just said, is not compatible is 44 staff members and coaches can't totally be in the dark about this over a three-year period, and your compliance program is top-notch and doesn't have any holes in it. One of the, They also said no NCAA violations were committed, which, I mean, they know their business better than I do. I read the report, and the report says one player got 60 free massages. 60. So I thought the definition of an ex, of a of an NCAA violation was an extra benefit. That seems like an extra benefit to me. A massage is what? 100 bucks minimum. These massages were an hour or two according to the report. If you're driving down from Cleveland, I mean I'm just ballparking it. If you called a massage therapist in Cleveland today and said, "Hey, I want you to drive down to Columbus, give me an hour and a half massage, drive back to Columbus." Would they do it for 100 bucks? I don't think so. If if they have a history of being a, a massage therapist who works with professional athletes, I'm figuring you're paying a premium for that. I'm figuring that's a $500 day minimum, right? Just for their time. It's two hours and a half down. It's two hours and a half back. It's a half hour setup and breakdown. So let's say they can do that in 15 minutes, 15 minutes. So there's a half hour. It's an hour and a half massage, two hours on. That's an eight hour day. Can you do an eight hour day for a hundred bucks? I don't think so. Even if you could 60 massages at a hundred bucks an hour is, uh, what? 6,000 bucks, 6,000 bucks. So how's that not an NCAA violation? 
I await the answer on that. Um, but I'm not trying to get him in a jackpot. I'm just asking questions about how's that not a violation? Again, a question no one asked yesterday. So this is why they like it when I'm not on their conference calls because the questions that I would ask don't get asked. Uh, so um, the other thing that I find amazing, and, and this just, let's just be real, okay? There's no way these guys didn't know that this was not allowed. They do have a robust compliance program in that they tell these guys pretty much one rule. Don't take anything from anybody. If you want something free, if we give it to you, it's okay. Nike gear, food in the facility, food at training table, tutoring. If it comes from us, it's okay. If it does not come from us, be suspicious and it's probably not okay. Like there's a, you know, the NCAA rule book is humongous and I know it's like, what do you mean? That's a, that's a rule. I can't do that. But generally under the umbrella of NCAA rules, it's if the school provides it, it's fine. If the school doesn't provide it, be suspicious. Okay. So these guys knew that this was not allowed and they chose to do it anyway, which, okay, whatever. Um, but let's not kid ourselves. The Ohio State official, the report Ohio State commissioned was, I thought, a bit over the top in portraying the players as innocent lambs led to slaughter by this predatory massage therapist. Uh, now, she, uh, I'm not going to mention her name because why give her free pub? Uh, because, you know, I don't support the morality of this. But, uh, well, I don't want to – I'll say Cleveland.com got her because that's good work on Cleveland.com's part, good work on Doug LaMaurice's part. Uh, it would be wrong for me to just say somebody got her because that's good investigative work on their part. So they got a hold of her, and here's her quote in terms of how she felt about the way she was portrayed in the report. She says, I understand the university is doing everything they can to make me the bad guy and make their kids look like they're innocent and nothing's gone wrong. It's the Ohio State University. They know they can steamroll people and get away with it as long as it makes them look better and me look like the villain, then they wouldn't care. I think that's accurate. I mean, that's just accurate. They're a big machine, uh, and I'm not upholding at all what she did, um, but this is, this is a sample of what's in the Ohio State report. The massage therapist's actions were deliberative and calculating in order to get close to Ohio State football student-athletes and appear to have been motivated by a desire to engage in sexual activities with them. Uh, the first part, yeah, the, the last part was unnecessary, okay? Like, did she want to sleep with every single guy? I think that's probably a stretch. Um, so anyway, I don't know. I, I, thought, I thought the university needlessly put itself in a position where it could get sued by her, uh, by how hard, heavy-handed the report came down on her. Um, and they'll be mocked for this. You know, this is one of those classic cases of, um, to put it in a biblical perspective, you see the plank in your own, you see the, uh, you, you don't see the plank in someone else's eye You see, uh, because, you, no, you don't see the, boy, I'm screwing this up. There's a speck of dust in someone else's eye, 
and you get all upset about it, but you have a plank or a board in your own eye. Okay, so other schools will be the plank in the eye, people. Okay, like the, the Bamas, the Clemsons, the Michigans. Oh, look at Ohio State. Oh, they all have their own deal there. And let me just tell you, if any massage therapist who's reasonably attractive did this to a random sampling of football players in any program in the country, this would be the same result, okay? Because men are men, and that's just the deal. I'm the mayor of Realtown, and I can be real with you about that here on this podcast. Okay, my friends at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters are very loyal sponsors of this podcast, and I appreciate them very much. And I hope you patronize them because you're going to be getting great coffee and I'll be able to retain a sponsor, sure, but I do business with people I like whose businesses I want to see grow because I believe in their mission and I know what kind of character and integrity the people have. And so I like to see good people prosper because there are a lot of bad people in the world and there are a lot of bad people prospering. So for a coffee company to go the extra mile, buy their coffee from uh, growers in foreign countries where the people don't have a lot of money as a way to grow those economies. I find that to be a really neat and spirit-led endeavor to do something you like and serve God while doing it. So HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com is the website. Trust me, you are not going to be disappointed in the coffee. Their chocolate is phenomenal. They make it from a cover crop that shades the coffee plants. So it's not it's not authentic chocolate, but it tastes like chocolate. And here's the best part for you keto people or uh, or gluten-free people or non-GMO people. It tastes like dark chocolate, and it's very healthy for you, good for your heart and all those things. So don't miss out on the chocolate when you're ordering online from HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. And use the promo code WETACKLELIFE, that's the name of this podcast, to get 15% off. We tackle life. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Okay. As we turn our attention to matters of faith at this point, I sat down today, and first of all, I want to say that uh, last night I was eh, struggling a little bit, I guess, with uh, motivation, purpose, mission, all those things that you need to have to be really focused on what you do. And I had a nice long talk with my wife, and I'm very blessed by the wife that I have been gifted from God. Um, she made me refocus. She helped alleviate some of my concerns. She corrected me in, uh, you know, in a kind but firm way. And so I'm just super grateful for her. And I want all you guys who listen and all you ladies who listen to think about your spouse's and think about things that may escape your attention on a daily basis that you need to prioritize and focus on and be thankful for and let them know you're thankful for it. So that's the first thing, because family is ordained by God. It is, to me, the only way we get out of the um, degrading culture that we're in in America is for our families and our family structure to come back strong. And everything is kind of ordered. God is the Father. Jesus is the Son. We are the children of God. So there's a family structure to our relationship 
with God. He disciplines us, but he loves us. His love covers all of that. He, lo- he disciplines us because he loves us. You're not doing your children any favors if you don't discipline them, if you let them have their own way. Correction, always with a loving motivation, is the key to kids understanding boundaries, guardrails. Guardrails are good. Guardrails keep you from going off the side of the mountain. A mountain road with no guardrails, a lot of people die on. A child with no guardrails, usually not good. And we see it all throughout our culture. So we have three children, and they are not, uh, you know, they're not fully grown adults yet, but they're close. And they're not as hands-on, high-maintenance, requiring all of our attention now as they did when they were first born. But we have a puppy, (laughs) and she's adorable, and she's maddening, high energy, super high energy. You can wear her out mentally. You will never wear her out physically. She digs holes, and she chews, and she just jumps on you, and she's all up in your face. Okay, so what's the spiritual parallel here? I think God looks at us that way throughout our lives, even though, like, you know, you get to my age, I'm not as energetic as I was when I was a puppy. But in terms of my rebellious nature, in terms of my wayward nature, in terms of my attraction to sinful things in the world, um, we never kind of shake that, right? We always need God's direction, God's discipline. Now, this puppy that we have is not always a bad puppy. Um, We are disciplining her. We are training her. And it's really cool to see her respond to our training, to see her make eye contact with us, to see her ears go up when we feed her and when we say gentle and put the food in our hand and she'll take it out of our hand rather than like, she's responding to training. And as Christians, that's what we have to do. We have to listen for God's voice, submit to his training and instruction. And eventually, we are going to have a great watchdog. I mean, she's going to be a super watchdog. She's extremely loyal, and you will not want to trifle with her, even now, if you are not someone who she knows and loves and wants to protect. And so... We become like that as children of God as we mature in the faith, as we learn more about him, as we submit to his training. That dog's devotion to us has increased since we got her two, three months ago. My devotion to God, my protective nature of God has increased dramatically. The better I have gotten to know God, the more I've gotten to experience his love for me. And the key to that whole process has been submitting to his training. He trains me every morning when I read the word of God. He trains me with the book of Proverbs. He trains me with the gospels. He trains me with the Old Testament. He trains me in my quiet time. He trains me as I pray. He trains me as I journal. If we had acquired that puppy and we had put it in its kennel, tied it up outside, never trained it, 
it would have grown and fully matured and it would have a ton of energy, would not be useful to us as a watchdog, would not be someone, something that we could trust. But instead, that puppy has submitted to our training and we have invested in training and being patient with that dog. Likewise, we have provided for that dog. It knows that it will get fed. It will get water. It will get love. It will get lots of love. And so that has increased our bond. Our relationship with God is no different. He cares for us. He provides for us. I've gone through this period here over the last two years where uh, we've been kind of scrambling economically. But I look back and a lot of good things have happened for us. I mean, I'm going to say inexplicably because I can't sit here and tell you, given what I make now compared to what I used to make, how in the world are we doing this? That's, there's a, that's part of a thought, but I know the answer to that is because God provides, and he has. And that's increased our faith, which I didn't think was uh, waning in the beginning. So in light of all that, um, the importance of faith. I've shared with you guys before in the Gospels, Jesus' amazement at times at people's faith and his amazement at people's lack of faith. Faith is how you bond to God. That's what he asks of us. Abraham, who was you know the father of all nations, was lived 400 years before the Ten Commandments. So how did Abraham you know, get right with God? It says Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness, as good behavior, as um, doing what God wants. And again, don't confuse. We're saved by what Jesus did at the cross, not by what we do. We do what we do out of gratitude for that. Okay, very important. But Abraham had faith. God told him, you're going to be the father of many nations. He believed it. Now, he didn't believe it right away because he slept with his uh, wife's servant, Hagar, with his wife's blessing. And that son, Ishmael, is why we have, you know, the Muslim nations. And if you're watching the news, you see Israel and the Muslim nations, Palestinians, are going at it. That sin of Abraham follows us. To this day, okay? So consequences for sin follow and sometimes are dire into future generations. But Abraham had faith. He believed what God told him. And, um, and that's what we're called to do. So I'd like to read to you a couple verses from Hebrews uh, chapter 11. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That's faith. You're sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Why? Because you trust God. Trust, faith is trust. Trust is faith. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, so if you're trying to work your way to heaven, you're being good, you're doing things for charity, you're doing this, you're doing that. Hey, do you notice? See, I'm good, I'm good. Without faith, verse 6 says, it is impossible to please God. 
because anyone who comes to God must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, seeking him does not mean doing things for him. Seeking him means that relationship, that trust, that friendship, that communication. How do I seek him? Read his word. He left this huge book of wisdom for you to get to know him, how he thinks, what he wants, what he requires. He left this huge book. When's the last time you opened it? How much can you with how much can you draw on in your own mind without reading it? I mean, if you're not going to avail yourself of the way he preserved for you to know him, how can you say you're earnestly seeking him? Sometimes the best remedies are the oldest remedies, right? I mean, you if you're if you're listening to this podcast or watching this video and you're like well, I really want to seek God. You got a new way? No, I don't. <laughs> because the old way works. So get to it. Get to it. Seek him. Because here's the great part. If you seek him, you will find him. Jeremiah 29 says, You will seek me. You will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. You got to be invested. You got to be devoted. You got to be committed. So that's what I have for you today in the faith portion of the podcast. I hope it strengthens you. I hope it gets you through your weekend. I'm excited about the weekend, man. I get to, looks like it's going to be a beautiful weekend. I get to work outside and the beauty of God's creation. Plants are coming up, flowers are blooming. It's awesome. So be encouraged, okay? Have faith. Know that the God of the universe, the only sovereign God, loves you, cares for you, wants a relationship with you. And he's just waiting for you to invest yourself in seeking him. With that, I bid you a fond farewell. Talk to you on Monday.